Welcome to the Creative Condition Podcast, the show where I, Ben Talon, illustrator and writer, invite people from the creative industry and far beyond to share their story of creativity, both the nature and the nurture, the chaos and the calm. Creativity is a fundamental pillar of human happiness, something I'm increasingly fascinated by. It is so often misunderstood. So little by little, I hope to build an archive of valuable stories, experiences and tips to help you maximise yours. Today I'm joined by Studio Dotto founder Danielle Molyneux. Danny has been a recent inspiration to me with a powerful message he is spreading something a little more positive than the gloom, the doom and the news that could so easily drag us under into despair and dismay. Well, certainly for me, Danny's been an absolute reminder of the power of visual communication, the necessity of using these skills of ours for good and communication and collaboration and why now is absolutely not the time to give in to the despair. Hello and welcome back to The Creative Condition. My name is Ben Talon. I'm the host of this podcast. How are you doing? How are you feeling? You picked up yet? You've been bashing out those personal projects? I would sincerely hope so. If you've not heard the episode, do go back and have a listen. Because I think now is a really pivotal time in the world. I think it goes without saying. Everything that's going on is rather heavy and overwhelming out there. But I'm feeling better about the whole thing because of the likes of Danny Molyneux, who is joining me on today's show. So Danny is a artist and designer, and she runs Studio Dotto. And it's a, as she'll tell us today, a real blend of client work and her own messages and prints and posters and recently murals which uh, look absolutely fantastic seeing Danny's work at scale has been really um, impressive and again a reminder of you know the the different spaces and worlds in which your work can, can live and what different functions it can have and who it can speak to and where and when and why and what the ripple effect of that is, which is something we're going to get deep into today, we're going to talk about, you know, how this stuff can feel like so often we're sat in our bedrooms or in our studios or workplaces and feel like we really are up against insurmountable odds. And I've been writing a new piece, I'm going to be revealing a, a brand new column soon, an extension of this podcast. And in that column, talking about how I've been labouring under a sense of futility in recent months, which for me personally has entailed, you know, just ticking the minimum boxes on that to-do list, getting the clients the good quality work, getting the accounts filed, and that's it. You know, going for naps and long walks to try and clear my head because I'm just feeling under the weight of the world. But what I learned a long time ago is that's kind of futile. It always was. It's that thing, you know, we, we can't do it alone, but we can certainly make a valid and valuable and essential contribution, especially us visual communicators. And it only took, as it always does, a handful of friends, close contacts, peers, people in our industry creating stunning visual work, writing awesome stories, and just tweaking the narrative, putting a more positive message out there than the news corporations would have us believe exist. And I talked about this on um, recent episodes, you know, about the kind of the whole working through our monsters, the things in our lives that we can't quite 
get past or we can't conquer or we can't directly address. And creativity comes into play as a wonderful piece of catharsis in that regard. So I've been keeping an eye on Danny's work. I, I shared a studio with Danny in, uh, in Manchester, in M1 Studios. And we would talk at length about this stuff, about our vulnerability, about our sensitivities, about the injustices in the world. So when I started to see Danny producing more personal passion work recently, and a real noticeable raising quality, you know, stuff that felt fun, that felt joyous and lifted the spirits, even though often it was coming from a place of negativity and negative emotion or injustice or anger at, you know, something that maybe was out of her control or at least directly. So when I saw I started producing that work, it gave me a huge kick and a huge reminder and a lift. And I thought, well, come on, you know, get your head out of the gutter and stop moping around and yeah this stuff is shit war's heavy the climate crisis is bloody terrifying it's the government deceit is unacceptable and disgusting and it makes me want to go and commit acts of physical violence to these people but what i will say is there's great worth to channeling that in a positive way we'll come back to that in a sec i just want to thank the sponsors of the show so founding supporters of this podcast illustration x magic illustration agency I've just been going through my portfolio. I've been represented by these guys for about 13 years now, and they're they're brilliant. They respect me as an artist. They represent me as an illustrator, but they don't just demand that I'm illustrating and, and working as an illustrator all the time and bringing them in that money. They know that that can only be fostered by respecting the artist as a whole and our lives and encouraging them personal projects and supporting them, you know, in, the, in this instance which is brilliant, the faith they show to help me get this off the ground, and that's not, you know, that's not a one-off. I do this stuff all the time. So I've been adding these little gifts to my portfolio. I've been looping sections of my animated work and kind of bringing the portfolio to life in a, you know, so you scroll down and there's maybe four static images, and then you've got this little gif going off in the corner of uh, in the, one of the more recent examples, the YouTube film that I worked on about Gareth Southgate called Raise Your Game, which is a great project to be a part of. So, if you get a second, I would love your feedback. Go and have a look. Um, we are, no, sorry, that's the social handle, is we are Illustration X. It's illustrationx.com for the website. So if you search for me on there, or you can just put illustrationx.com forward slash Ben Talon. Let me know what you think. Does it work? The animation in conjunction with the static? I think it really adds some energy to the portfolio and shows quite quickly that my work is, you know, it's up there. It's up and available for animation and motion graphics, which is a field I enjoy working in. So take a look. Would love your feedback and that's what's cool because the, these guys have been developing the back end and their portfolios for a long time and you can now look at the portfolio in a, a run of single big images or you can go for a window of four or a window of uh, six i think or two I, I'm, I'm, anyway whatever it is is a new tool and it's awesome and these guys are constantly on it so do go and have a look at the portfolios if you're interested in and animators set designers lettering artists live artists murals um, concept artists, you know, storyboarding, they're, they're CGI, they're, they're very, very broad. Doing a lot of good work in the industry. Check them out, illustrationx.com. So, you know, I've loved seeing Danny grow as an artist, as a thinker, as a designer. And I'm going to go as far as to say activist, because when you think of activism, right, you think of the way that the media demonise people gluing themselves or padlocking themselves to trains and all that stuff, or, you know, angry banners and marches and it all spilling over and do you know what 
Activism, when done right and done with care and attention to detail and craft, is so powerful and so important in today's, you know, internet age and the, the amount of information we're exposed to. If you can cut through the quagmire and um, the overload of information, like I believe Danny Molyneux does with uh, great precision and um, art direction, then you're winning. So to see Danny doing that and to see her owning it and making her own opportunities, I, I had to talk to her. So I've been nagging for a while and ironically enough, despite the fact we spent a good year in the same room sharing a studio space in Manchester, we never got it down enough to do a podcast because I was kind of flippant about the show at that point. I was doing the odd one as and when they came up. But I got to a point where I burned myself out emotionally a little bit with the amount of things I was doing and it was one of the things that made way for a, a little more writing. But now it's gone back the other way. The writing is very much on. But I just wanted to uh, give a little bit more love to the show because my writing has taken me to The Creative Condition, which is going to be my second non-fiction book on the very topics that we talk about on this show. So it's lovely when you get to create that biosphere of things that feed one another within your own portfolio of skills or your circle of competence or however you want to put that. Well, this is not about me, this is about Danny. And we're having a big conversation today about how it feels to be sensitive and how it feels to be... Uh, a bit of an emotional sponge, which I think a lot of people are in this industry because I, I say it time and time again, but the things that make us well-suited to the visual communication and the arts, which at its foundation is about observation and about empathy, sympathy, and our ability to see the world in layers and in themes, that, on the flip side, opens us up to sensitivities and, and you know things hitting us a little harder and... I think we do get down when the world is uh, unravelling and it is in turbulent times. But for me, the recent solution, the recent medicine to that is to to find ways to channel it into creativity and to remind myself that while I cannot solve all of the world's problems, I can certainly make a dent in some of them if I can inspire other people. And I talked to Danny about how she has inspired me with her recent work and, and why she is one of a number of artists who have done that. And the point is, if she's inspired me, then who else is she inspiring? She recently did a fantastic domestic course about making these posters that she makes with strong typography and conveying a personal message, which is a brilliant course and it's getting great feedback now. So do, do go and check that out. We talk about that and there will be a link to that in the in the show notes on the SoundCloud desktop site. Otherwise, you can go via Danny's website, which is, let me look that up right now for you, .studio. Nice and simple, brilliant, clean website. So Danny's a great designer, but it's you know this chat today is all about that personal message and it's about dealing with the things that we can't conquer. So I hope you get something from it. It's a wonderful conversation. I love Danny to bits, and I can't wait to see where she goes from here. Um, she's been collaborating on some brilliant murals with Oscar K. And he actually goes on Oscar with a K. Um, look him up. You'll find him on Danny's social medias and website. Brilliant. Mural artist have been helping her to paint some of her work up at a large scale, and I think it translates it with such power and impact, and it's great. And I mentioned on recent recent episodes, fellow studio mate in Manchester, Micah Purnell, who also does these brilliantly positive public messages that just go against everything that is bad about advertising. You know, when it makes us feel like we lack something or need something or are in some way inferior, and even if it's subliminal and subconscious, it makes us feel a little downtrodden or, you know, like we need to go and buy something. And I think what these guys are doing is just capturing the mood of the moment 
and getting it across in their personal way. And I hope that each of you guys who hear this will want to go and do the same and do it exactly on your terms, about your personal fight, your cause, the things you want to remedy, you know, the whole be the change thing. I'm, I'm pushing that a lot at the minute because I really do believe that in times like this when democracy is under attack with the police bill and anti-protest laws being passed, those guys are really going to have to pick up some slack. And inspire people to communicate through words and images and film and narrative and books and fiction and non-fiction and plays and theatres before they start burning the books. You know what I mean? I think it's um, an important thing of our time. Certainly those who are going to leave children behind who care about the next generation and leaving the world in a better place than when they arrived. So I hope you enjoy it. Hit me up on the social at Ben Talon Pod or at Ben Talon. Either, either one's fine. Instagram and Twitter, same handles. I'm also pretty prominent on LinkedIn these days. So give us an ad on there. Say hello. And what else, what else? So like I mentioned, the creative conditions coming along nicely. Hopefully by the time the next episode comes out of this podcast, I'll be able to announce my new column, which is exciting times too, spreading the word of the creative condition. But without further ado, let's get to it. My conversation with Studio Dotto founder, Danny Molyneux. Well, let's get into it then. Well, I always like to like go back to childhood and like, what's your background? Have you, have you got any artists in the family? Is there anything overtly creative going on? Well, I think right. My mum and my granddad, they were they were pretty arty. So, well, my mum, my mum's um, has been a teacher. So she was uh, an art teacher and an English teacher. So super super into that. And with my, my granddad in particular, um, it always makes me really sad because my granddad used to do um, loads of craft with us when we were little. Um, he used to make all this like mad stuff with us. He used to make things like Care Bears. Do you remember Care Bears? Yeah. But like. He used to make them with really hypnotic staring eyes, like loads of weird stuff like that. But he always wanted to be like a sign writer. So he was really good, really into it. And he wanted to go to art college, but it was like a big Catholic family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in those times, there was, I think there could only be one of them that could go to college. And one of his brothers um, wanted to be a priest. So like Catholic, that just trumped everything. So he got to go to priest college or whatever that is. And my granddad couldn't go to art college. And then he didn't even become a priest in the end. <laughs> so it's like, so it used to make me really mad, that story. But um, yeah, we just sort of grew up with my granddad, yeah, making loads of stuff with us. My mum would bring all stuff home from work. So I remember once, it's really dorky this, but I once had a party when I was a kid and it was an animation party. Oh, wow. <laughs> and my mum was brought home all this like stop, like stop frame animation stuff. We made all these little scenes. Um, I can't remember how old I was. I feel like I was too old to be having that kind of, you know, like that kind of party. But um, yeah, it was really good. So I think it's kind of always been you know, like a background and stuff like that. But I don't think anyone, not that no, no one's made it, you know, like a career in so much because my mum was, she did teach art, but she was more English and literature and kind of um, words, writing, all of those things. So um, yeah, and my dad's just like, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like math, science, you know, like, yeah. But going by that, would it be safe to say you were um, you were never discouraged and maybe, maybe even encouraged by the sound mm-hmm. of it? Yeah, I think what I've definitely, yeah, always been encouraged. Um, and I was, yeah, I'd like to always have things like if we went on holiday, I would take sketchbooks and, you know, like I always, always had stuff on the go. That's what I had, you know, that's what I did. That's all, all that I did. And I think the only time that was a little bit of caution was when I was finished school and um, I wanted to go straight and do art foundation because I knew that's what I wanted to do. 
And my parents were really nervous about that. So I ended up doing A-levels first and I really didn't want to do them. I really didn't want to do my A-levels because I just knew that it was not what I, like it's not what I wanted to do but I did them and I did like um I did art theatre studies in French so it's kind of you know like it's not like I went hugely academic but um and I had a really good time like sixth form college I went to a separate sixth form college from my school so it felt like that step of you know like almost going to uni but not quite so it ended up being really good but I was definitely doing that to keep them happy and I sort of ticked the box I didn't even do that well I did like all right like I'd been a massive swap beforehand and then I was just like you like just dialing it in at that point and then um I did art foundation and stuff like that and I think as soon as I got into art college I think that's when they maybe realized that you know like actually it's something that you can do properly it's not like nobody was discouraging me um and it was you know they're very much you know make your own decisions do all of those things but it is kind of like I remember my dad asking me something like I don't know you know like not quite sure what the jobs you know and it's like what can the jobs be <laughs> it's those kind of questions isn't it like are you going to be an artist you're like what what how are you going to make money it's all those things and I think that sort of attitude has changed but it was never with a don't do that try to do something else mm-hmm. it was more just kind of I don't know like checking in you know and going yeah I'm sure this is right <laughs> Which is, you know, you have to, I think as, a, as parents ourselves, I'm sure you'll agree, you, you know, there's got to be a degree of that. I mean, you've got to know what's going on and what their thought processes are. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it was definitely that. And they were definitely, they were always super encouraging. Like, I remember my mum once come in, so I was at sixth form as well. Like, um, I want, like, I, for ages I wanted to be a fashion designer. So that's just, I really wanted to be a fashion designer. I wish, I really wish I kept my designs because they were so shit. They're just terrible. But that's what I was obsessed with. So I kept, I was in this, um, I was in like the textiles class when I was doing my art A level. And I was really, really trying to kind of, because I'm like, I want to do fashion, I'm doing textiles. And I was just making, you know, like patterns for things and stuff. And I just wasn't, I don't know, I wasn't really loving it. And one of the teachers said to me at the time, it's, um, she was like, oh, Danny, you're never going to have a career in art and design. And I was like gutted. And I went home and my mum and dad are like, especially my mum, she's like, nope, <laughs> we're not having that. Like came into college and put, but she's like, this teacher, Mara, really embarrassing. But I got put into a different, a different group. And then I, I was doing drawing and painting instead. And I was just loving it. And it was that teacher that had suggested I um, do visual communication or graphic design and that kind of thing. So it kind of helped me find, you know, a bit of a path um, oh. from where I was, I was kind of lost a bit. So, um, yeah, like my parents were like, we're good at that stuff. You know, like I was like, we're not having that. No teachers say that to you. Yeah. Like, that's not OK. So. I think that's you know that's really important because otherwise I just would have floundered in that class. Like I wouldn't have got myself out of that class. I just probably would have been, you know, like dejected in the corner, like oh I can't do it. So well, the thing is, it's it's tri- it's very tricky because you. So like I had my mum had several similar encounters, kind of marching into parents <laughs> and giving <laughs> teachers. But I think it's interesting because you. Um, you don't have much of a compass at that point and the personality is always the compass but the academic system doesn't really tap into that or teachers to um, kind of embrace that which means that when you 
you know, you, you're on this very linear path through yeah. primary school, secondary school. Suddenly you get into further education and we know how broad the arts are and all the crossovers, but not, you don't at that age when you first encounter it. Yeah, so if the first thing that you get on doesn't feel right, it can knock all of your confidence and make you question yeah. all your own abilities, whereas actually... And I, I like to think that on good courses, there are crossovers and there are kind of the chance to, to experience a lot of different mediums and that then you are encouraged to apply you to that. And yeah. at least at that point, it gives you some sense of, okay, so this thing I love or this mood that I've got, this attitude, whatever it might be, that can kind of be pointed that way and it might look like that. You know, it's it's very like suck it and see, isn't it? It definitely is. And I think as well, because that was, I think that was like an A, an A level I was doing. I was doing art A level. And after that, I stayed on at that college and did art foundation, which was basically, as you described, we're trying all sorts of things. And actually, like I was back with that teacher for a bit. And actually, you know, the relationship was totally different at that point. You know, like and I, we actually got on and it was fine. So again, it's all of those things where, you know, like sometimes like a teacher might say something like a throwaway comment and it's just not even helpful. But you as like a, like a, well, we're not kids, but like 16 year old, that's massively influential, isn't it? When someone says that to you, that's the stuff that you go over in your head and like you think about, but yeah, when it, but that's like, you're right. The kind of, the path is sort of like, you think you have to go this way and this way. And actually it is just like finding that kind of I don't know like your thing a little bit which I mean it takes time that stuff it takes loads it does of time. it does because there's this separation and all. I think I think again partly because of the way that the education system is quite rigid and very dated we tend to go home and do those things whatever our thing is in my case you know whatever reading spider-man comics watching wrestling <laughs> playing football and we just like we love that and do it with purity and passion and yet we're very seldom, even to this day, are we taught to kind of apply that to our studies or our explorations? Oh, true, actually. You know, it's like everything. Somewhere in everything I've done since school has been some aspect of sport or language or um, dark humour, and it's you know prevalent yeah. to this day in everything that I do. But it actually took a lot of wandering and a lot of accidents for that to become apparent whereas i just wish there was a, a a way earlier in secondary school and i've been reading ken robinson recently where he's very much That's talking true. about major yeah. overhaul in education so that we have more adult learning environments and the chance to do that and more individual focus because you know look at all them kids where they've got loads of crazy energy but they end up going down the wrong path know, and you know it's the worst for that actually like it really is the worst. That is where, like, you, you take what you're right. You take all of this bundle of energy of kids and all this enthusiasm, where they've tried all of these exciting things. And it does feel like secondary school is this, like, it's like the army or something. Like, not that I know, I've never been in the army, but you know, like, it is super, super rigid. And it's just, and there are some. The thing is, as well, there are some really amazing teachers. So, like, I don't want to focus on like the the, the few that you know, like, but you would have teachers that are just like. God, I had this geography teacher, for example, once. And like, I used to like geography. I mean, I never, was never going into geography, but she's just sit at the front and go, okay, class, can you just copy these notes? And all day, every day we copy notes. And I was like, at the end of it, I was like, oh my God, I hate geography. It's so shit. And then my sister now, she's a geography teacher and she chats about our lessons and they sound awesome. And she's like, oh, we're doing these things about volcanoes. And she's built in all of this stuff and like, I was like, God, I wish you would be my geography teacher. You're like, how, I don't know, like teachers have this opportunity to kind of, I don't know, like get all this passion from the kids and yeah. this balance, but I don't know, it's, and half them as well, I'm ranting, but it's not, like it's such a tough profession and 
you know, like teachers haven't even had a decent pay rise for years, you know, like the pressures, like all of yeah. that. Oh, so it's and again, I've, I've been speaking to a lot of them for this book that I'm writing as part of the research and the different levels. And the prevailing thing is always that they're lumbered with a lot of, you know, paperwork and, um, ticking boxes for Ofsted and the curriculum and it's and it, the successes by admittedly brilliant teachers are in spite of their that's, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. rather than that you know that it should be something that my friend Tom who taught in Greenwich and he's, he's taught now in Bangkok and uh where did where is he now Bucharest and he said um he said he believed that every decision in a school down to anything from the design of the curtains right through to lesson structures it always be about the learning and the benefit of those kids becoming individuals you know uh, whereas the, he felt there was a lot of kind of you know a teacher had a promotion and suddenly they wanted to make their mark to look like they were doing that new job and justifying that yeah. new rise as opposed and again that's not an indictment on t-shirt uh, teachers because i know so many brilliant ones but that i think that's the thing um the teachers the school's only as good as its teachers but they're all yeah. wrestling with this stem and you know for uh, this hyper focus on english and maths and science and, and admittedly they're all really important but yeah, equally, equally, equally are the arts and the tech and if you yeah. work down the borders between them like i've been i've been researching leonardo da vinci and um i didn't know i didn't know a great deal about him apart from the famous stuff at the mona lisa yeah. but god it's, it's fascinating he didn't have any formal education until the age of 17. No way. <laughs> went to Verrocchio's workshop who was like an Italian Renaissance master who would goldsmith work painting drawing had this massive workshop where it was a hive of activity but there was a real freedom there for them all just to to learn on the job and explore so once yeah. he got that under his belt he saw no difference between just watching a bird and how they fly I mean bear in mind <laughs> I went into the helicopter and his sketchbooks yeah. <laughs> You know, but to go from that and then to not see any difference between the, the process of drawing, it just saw them as different languages and, and how they all, mu that. much like e ecosystems, they were all just this big web. And it's like, I mean, yeah, no, okay, we can't just open everything <laughs> up to everyone. But I think there needs to be freedom and more encouragement within certain schools to actually, you know, give the teachers the freedom they need to like maybe, yeah. I don't know, like Ken Robinson was saying, some lessons like maybe arts or what you said there, geography would lend themselves to maybe like, let's say a morning rather than an hour so they can go and do a field trip or spend longer on a project yeah, you know exactly. be a bit more flexible that's, that's the stuff you remember i always remember as well being a kid right if you ever I don't know if your school did this but you know sometimes if you had a nice day or something like that the teachers would go okay we're going to do this lesson outside and everyone would be like oh my god oh my god that's amazing it's exciting you do the lesson on the grass yeah. but like even that even just moving to the grass <laughs> for doing the lesson made a massive difference you know, like you remember it or the kids like you engaged and sort yeah. of I don't know so you know like it is really you know simple stuff like that yeah. and like it's weird now because I can hear stuff you know like when when Daisy my daughter talks about school and the things that interest her and that don't and kind of and again I feel like like her teachers have been amazing like I love all her teachers I mean they are battling this stuff and some sometimes Daisy will come back and she's like oh my god why do we have to do maths all the time all the time you know like and she likes maths and she's good at maths and i'm like okay well when when are you doing art when you <laughs> like when's art <laughs> oh, like and like they are doing it of course they are but it's just the balance with you know like the subjects mm. it's just I don't know. It's all. What you, and what you need to do, what you need to do, Danny, is uh, is with a <laughs> You need to get your computer out and do all of like her algebra, but in your beautiful type. 
<laughs> oh, not algebra though, God. <laughs> you know, um, I think my, actually, my maths at school, but you know, like to a point, like I could quite, I quite liked that because what's good about maths, you know, like it's super logical, there are right answers and wrong answers. That's kind of nice when you do stuff like us, when it's everything's like, oh, well, I'm thinking about this and actually it means this. Like sometimes you can go, well, this is the answer and that is it. Tough shit. So I quite like that. Yeah. But, you know, like as it started to get harder, yeah. like I remember um, I was doing my GCSEs and they were like, oh, you're pretty good at maths. Do you want to do this for the maths group? And that was for people, you know, that were doing A-level, like going to do A-level maths. And I started it and then I was like, nope, <laughs> nope, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, that was my limit. That was my limit. <laughs> yeah, that was my cough too, unfortunately. <laughs> and now I can't remember any of it and like now as well if you try to help Daisy with her homework they do it all different anyway so I can't even help her it's pointless <laughs> um, oh, I'm right there with you <laughs> so what about so I mean to, so give us a little snapshot of your practice now but I also want to just kind of dig into like the, the origins of your very strong sort of bold typographic identity that you've built um yeah so <laughs> Well, it's like everything is it? it's kind of winding, a winding tale, I guess. But so at the moment, because everything's kind of changed a little bit, I suppose, in the past few years, as it has with everybody. And it's kind of been a bit of a weird path, I suppose. So when I set up like Dotto as a studio or whatever, it was kind of on the back of freelancing as a designer. So I worked in um, agencies. That's that's where I started it. You know, like I got a job as a designer in a design agency. Um, and I do all sorts of things from, you know, like annual reports, corporate communications, branding, you know, like all of it, that, that sort of stuff. Um, but from a kind of, it was always quite a sort of a conceptual thinker and um, it was always, you know, like about ideas and that kind of thing. That's what I was really into. And then when I started freelancing, I was kind of, the first thing I did was just, I was just working in agencies in the same way because it's kind of, that's what I knew how to do. And that was really easy. So I basically like, I, th that was the easiest thing to do. I was just dotting around doing that for a bit, but um, anyone, if you're freelancing in agencies, it's not your work. It's, you know, like you're doing bits of jobs for other people. You can't show anyone. Um, so it was kind of, I found it really frustrating. Like it just wasn't, it, it wasn't really working for me. So that's what, basically when I wanted to set up my studio so again with that it's been a kind of weird path so half the work now I would say is a lot of the branding work still that's my background that's kind of um you know it's a, a good way to bring money in and it you know like it's conceptual stuff work with some really good clients and that kind of thing but when the sort of the pandemic hit particularly um that's when I wanted to sort of focus more on this kind of the more typographic side and kind of, you know, like messages and kind of, you know, like words and things like that, which is stuff that I basically, if I go back through, through work that I'd done always, like it would always have this kind of strong, you know, like coming from like a words background, if that makes sense, you know, like it would always be, I'd start with words basically for everything. And a lot of my work I realized is, um, yeah, I kind of illustrating with big type, basically, in like illustrating with words, even, you know, like as far back as all the corporate work, all of those things. So in that sort of pandemic time, um, the pandemic time, like loads of this other work had really just completely disappeared because, you know, loads of my clients were arts organisations, theatres and stuff. So obviously that just literally stopped. 
So I was in this weird space between homeschooling, which is a nightmare, <laughs> and um, trying to find a, a kind of outlet. So it's not like I didn't have all this time on my hands because it was kind of taken up with other things, but I felt like I had to put something somewhere, otherwise I'd go insane. So it's almost kind of like started by almost like emptying my head into things, you know? So I was kind of making, so half the things like, I'd start making posters or prints and things like that. Most of that side of stuff is just being, you know, like to get stuff out of my head or um, if I've seen something interesting or I want to say something about something. So that's how I can almost divide the studio. So it's kind of like half of it is this, you know, this work that is helping, you know, like all clients and other people kind of get their messages out there. And then this half, which is more exploration-y, mm. <laughs> whatever the word is, um, and it's kind of, yeah, about like saying something and kind of, so the typography obviously is something that I love doing, kind of being quite playful with it, but it's more kind of what it's saying rather than, you know, like the style, if that, if that, like I'm kind of playing with that, I think, but it's more kind of, it's kind of about wanting to say something rather than making something look pretty, if you know, if you know what I mean. So Very much yeah. so. I mean, that's, that's been my, what the source of my love of your recent stuff, particularly since pandemic is, is that, is that you have a very, um, I don't know if astute's the right word, but I, I think you have a, you have a real knack for like, I particularly loved your, if you tolerate this piece, <laughs> and it, and it, because it, it's, I've got a big love of the unsaid, of saying more with the unsaid than what, <laughs> than, than, than spelling it out. It's, in the world of writing, everyone says, sure, don't tell, you know, don't yeah. tell. I think there's a famous quote, it was something like, the, don't tell me that the moon is shining when you're writing. Uh, tell yeah. me the, tell me the way that like, a crisp packet shimmered or, you know, whatever it might be. It's like, yeah, tell yeah, the story without that. saying the thing. And I think you've got a real yeah. ability for doing that. And I think it was very, you know, because there's a, there's certainly a source of, whether it's injustice or anger or whatever those emotions are that have inspired those pieces, you know, we, we obviously followed <laughs> a lot of that recently for yeah. obvious reasons, but you have a real way of conveying that in a, in a smarter way than just being very shouty and aggressive, you know, there's a real tactility to it. Well, I kind of think as well, because one of the things that I've, I'm interested in, I suppose, is there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of me, I suppose, that's kind of like something about not wanting to take, everything too seriously so not in terms of you know like this stuff isn't important because it's really important but kind of a little bit sort of not trying to be too earnest if that's the kind of word you know like there's a bit of that and there's a bit of you know like trying to have a little bit of an things with a, lot, a little bit of an edge but it is I don't like spelling things out it kind of I kind of want to say <laughs> it's kind of like trying to say something with the least amount of words possible so yeah, it can be super, I can't say that word, succinct. And um, yeah, and then people can take things out of it as well. So sometimes things mean something to somebody else that they don't mean to some somebody, you know, like one example was this, that print, I did a print and it all it says is, uh, okay, no. Now, like for me, that means stuff, but so many people have just gone, oh my God, uh, you know, like, oh my God, that is just, yeah, uh, okay, no. And they're like, and that's like three words that could mean anything, you know, like it could be, but it's, but people read stuff into that. And it's kind of like, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, holding boundaries or blah, blah, blah. But like, that doesn't have to mean that it can be anything. Um, but that's what I mean. I think it's trying to tap into something that um, somebody can pick up something from 
and trying to get away from, which is quite difficult because there's just words everywhere, trying to get away from things that have been oversaid or I don't know, you know, that you've seen to death or which is quite, I think it's quite difficult, especially with a few words, but it's it's trying to pick up on, on some of those things and then, yeah, not making it too cheesy and like... <laughs> yeah, well, you, 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 you invite the viewer to be a part of it. And I think that's um, like the inclusivity of that is wonderful in art, you know, because it's, it's like yeah. the way, it, in a sense, without with less language, it's like, a, you know, why some people love abstract because they can lose themselves in those textures <laughs> and each yeah. take a mood from it. But I think with what you're doing, it's... Again, it's it's very observational, and I love observation. <laughs> it's they've all got a sense that you're the ear on the ground, and 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 yes, there's your meaning behind that. But actually, it's more than that. It's deeper. It's things people say about, like you said, for myriad reasons. And I think that's that yeah. then allows someone else to plug in and go, "Oh my god, I love that because ABC." And it, like you said, it might be completely different to your reasons. But I think that's a real real skill in its own right to do that. Oh, thanks, Ben. It's interesting you say it, you're sort of describing it like that, actually, because I was thinking, like, one of the things, I suppose, that I've always been really interested in is, like, reading and stories and books and things like, what was it, one of my friends, in fact, Lauren, Lauren said this, Lauren Kelly, the amazing words, she said something about, somebody was asking her about, I don't know, like, to remember a date or to remember, you know, like, the number of something, and she said, my brain doesn't work in facts, it works in stories, and I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Because it's the same thing about things like, you know, like, I don't know, you know, like, I can't remember any dates of anything or any any useful information. You know, like, I've got a really terrible memory for all sorts of things. But I, I can remember all the song lyrics. I could probably quote you loads of things from a film. I can remember a passage from a book. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, it's the same thing if you have a conversation with somebody and you've said something that's stuck in your mind. It's those it is that like bunch of words that you immediately turn into something. And I suppose that's why things like, I mean, song lyrics, like I try not to overuse those a lot, but you know, like they do come into certain things and it's because again, they mean loads of stuff to people and you remember them and you only need to do a little bit of it. And it like immediately summons up all of this kind of feelings or, you know, like, I don't know, it kind of motivates you in, I don't know, it kind of means more. It, it takes the words off the page and kind of, yeah. Um, yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm exactly the same as you. I think, I think, um, you know, I, I can't remember what I've been asked to get down at the co-op 10 minutes ago, yeah. but, but I can remember a letter out of Viz from 1998, you know, yeah. it's like, that's, that's where my brain's at. But then that's that's why I write and that's why I'm a, you know, I'm a visual communicator for the same reason as you, really. And it's just that we have different ways of doing that. And I, that's what's wonderful to me about the arts is that we're all working with a unique language that's born of our own, you know, nature, nurture and views, I guess. It's interesting you're talking about um the like abstracts as well because um i've always loved that stuff like there's one uh what's is it rothko who just does the big colors the big yes remember <laughs> really good description there the big massive colors um seeing one of his pieces in it was either the tape or something and it was just a really big black page and I remember, I think it might be my brother or somebody taking the piss, you know, and I was walking past and I'm like staring at this. And I'm like, like, you know, like it feels like you can jump in and it's like this abyss. And I immediately was stood in front of this artwork, you know, like imagining all of these things. And you're know, like, and whereas my brother's like, oh my God, is that even art? You're like, what? <laughs> and I suppose that's the different difference as well, isn't it? Just like, I don't know, there's stuff like that. You can just read loads of stuff into it. Yeah. I don't know. 
I kind of I really like it. I really like doing that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You, can, you know, there's there, there's this whole spectrum between explicit and spelling something out, like public information messages, right through to that. You know, and that, that's what's lovely is that you can find your place on that spectrum according to your own feelings, you know, and everything else, and who you are, and that's what I think is wonderful about that that ownership. But you know, it, I don't know you, you know, particularly well, but. I do know you enough to know that that's, you know, your work screams you and it's, and that's a lovely <laughs> thing that you've tapped into that, you know, and yeah, and you seem quite at ease with that, you know, with, with, like you said there about the memory thing. I, yeah. I, I enjoy that about you and I'm the same. It's, um, I think it's really cathartic and important for mental health to kind of acknowledge and let go of our shortcomings. And actually those shortcomings can be real strengths too, you know? Yeah, it takes a while to sort of figure all that stuff out and stuff as well, doesn't it, really, I guess, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's kind of go, I don't know, you don't need to do things in a certain way, you you find your own way and it's kind of, yeah, I don't know, like, yeah. <laughs> well, my um, my friend Kyla, she's called Kyla Palucci, I've had her on the show a few times and she's from New York, like big Italian-American family and she's full of stories and she worked as a designer at WWE and then at HBO, we met mm-hmm. when we were working they're doing bits for WWE and she's just hilarious you know, such a funny sort of dark sense of humor but this real like almost like teenage girl diary type of humor like she would always any any kind of you know love dilemmas that were going on in her life would come out yeah. in these amazing typographic pieces and they had, oh, amazing. they had this almost like 15 year old girl aesthetic to them but they yeah. were so alive because of it and she knew it and she loved doing it that way and she was like she was yeah. very aware of it you know and i've got this print of hers on, on our kitchen wall and it's just a sort of series of these really naively line drawn mountains and a massive speech bubble phone the whole sky that just says it felt right <laughs> and that's another example of just letting someone interpret that but it's just to me that's just funny i'm like what could be going on there that's necessitated that and knowing kyla is like i get it so <laughs> that's fab it's fab it's it's one of the things though isn't it it takes so long to kind of figure out how to do stuff your own way because you're just bombarded all the time with all of you know like how everyone else is doing things and it is really hard not to get lost on that path of kind of comparison and kind of um you know like how other people are doing it and really getting back into you know like your own kind of head and like why the way you do something is different and kind of and sort of taking strength out of that and kind of yeah and even all the imperfections you know like they're half the time the thing that makes it interesting you know like if you think about loads of artists that have done like amazing stuff and you know like, I don't know it's not you're not looking at their sort of you're not pulling out like technical ability and all of those things you kind of it's what what something says to you or how it makes you feel or what it makes you do um yeah so it's kind of really trying to yeah <laughs> be kind of stick like stick yeah. with you stick with those things yourself yeah, and embrace it and looking at stuff two ways because this is something i've been writing about too and it's the personality stuff big chapter on that kind of you know trying to understand yourself and ways to do it almost but like um it's like so that in my case i i did it i used this analogy of top trumps did you ever, did you ever play top trumps um i didn't you know but daisy my daughter does so you know, yeah, so you yeah. know the concepts yeah yeah so it's a very simple like you know ranker ranking numbering system and i had this magic deck so it was like little fairies and elves and things so it would have like uh, magic power or potions and then you know so for one asset it might be a two out of ten and another characteristic might be a ten out of ten yeah so i i, I thought it would be i wrote down like my own kind of 
personality oh, trait. That's interesting. <laughs> so I, and I, what I realised, and what I've come to realise, not not in that way, but this is how I articulated it. So you know, you know my style; it's very raw and rugged and and, yeah. and snake driven. Um, but that's yeah. a good thing, and that comes as much from my clumsiness and my na my natural haphazard way. Like I just you know knocking things over all the time, cutting myself and stuff. And it's if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have been able to tap into that style. So there's a yeah. way to like turn that too for maybe like diligence let's say into yeah. it and when it comes to my artistic style so you have yeah. to consider things good and bad and it works in reverse so for example my passion and my drive is like and i'm not bragging but it's off the scale like my, my problem is reining myself in because i'm full of creative energy and ideas and i have to harness it and focus sometimes um instead of burning myself out which i'm i'm prone to so that's when that becomes a shortcoming somebody might go oh god like nine out of ten for passion that could be a really bad thing if you don't know how to harness that you know yeah, yeah. So it's like I think you can consider all within reason. There's some traits that are just you kind of have to just work with them and realize them and like go, well, no, that's not for me or whatever. <laughs> but or maybe yeah. it's just a really good thing. But I think most things you can look at two ways, and it's a really valuable exercise to do so when it comes to you know rather than hiding something away or like you know yeah. trying to do something that's not you. Like I would never try and do what you do because if I tried polishing anything, it would fall apart. Like you know clean typography or anything. It's so funny actually as well though thinking about that because I'm really messy as well I'm so messy and I'm really really clumsy as well <laughs> but there's something that I really like maybe this is why there's something that I really like about making something super super simple and kind of and clean and kind of maybe that's why it's like because I can't do it anywhere else I can't yeah. do it like even I can't I just can't tidy up properly like I really can't I'm like I'm re I've just I keep trying to watch that well who's that woman that makes you throw away things oh, Marie, Marie yeah. Yeah. yeah like I've tried to do her stuff a few times but it's not enough it's not enough I need yeah I can't but anyway so I don't know why there's something there's something cathartic for me yeah. in making something completely the opposite yeah. and really clean and really simple um yeah it makes yeah. It, but the, the very fact you're aware of it it gives you this other place to take it which is the opposite yeah. and I, again it's all about that personal ownership and the reasons why yeah. and that's why i think it's so valuable to to just you know be a try off um you can always do it. I mean, some people just haven't had the life path to 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 have those things made you know made aware. Maybe they've had like a tougher start. There are so many reasons, and that's why it's so hard to like really get yeah, to the actually, isn't it? Because you think if you think about things like where things started off in terms of if you're like a path or whatever. Like one, this isn't how I imagined. This isn't what I imagined I would be doing. Um, not that. That, you know, like I don't know there are really because I thought it was gonna be like Vivian Westwood or something like yeah with my 80s fashion designs but um even that like even getting so when I got I got a job as a designer even that I was a bit like oh because I was into ideas like I thought I found the actual designing bit really hard because again I'm not I was never super technical you know like I kind of I like drawing and I like coming up with ideas so when I got this first job I was like no this isn't right I want to be an art director I want to work in advertising and that's what I kept trying to get out of and get back into right at the beginning of my, you know, my first job. Mm -hmm. And I had this awesome creative director in my first job. And he's like, no, but you know, this is design, but it's about ideas as well. And you're like, 
really worked with me and kind of again I couldn't I couldn't use the computer like he's like it's not hard just you just need to learn how to do it you know like and things like layout now which I can do flipping stand on my head and I love doing things like you know hierarchy and layout like come in second nature but again at the beginning I'd just be staring at all these these things on a page my, my boss would be sitting down and just give me magazines and going Danny look at the magazines just look at the <laughs> magazines that you like <laughs> you like put yeah. things in columns but even that right. I just get my brain into it so how do, I'm interested in because we're both parents I'm interested in that dynamic in terms of you know your work yeah. and, and work with meaning and the power of that work is it do you feel that there is good like you know great value in visual communication that it's an important part to play in in the times we're in yeah oh my god yeah i think it really is <laughs> i think probably i mean i don't know i say like more so now but then maybe it's not like sometimes i have conversations say with my dad for example about you know like if, if i'm on a bit of a doom spiral with about you know like oh my god the earth you know like daisy oh it's a disaster and sometimes my dad will go um danny everything's always been <laughs> you're like um so you know, just concentrate on the good things. <laughs> you like trying to make me feel better, but in like in a weird, but you know, like, I don't know every, what he, I guess what he's saying is, you know, like there's always been all of different challenges for different generations. And if you look at how people have used that um, to kind of, you know, like to make change or just even to shine a light on something or, I don't know, like my friends, um, I just was looking at the studio before my friends um, for my birthday this year bought me this book and it was um, about the Gorilla Girls um, and all of their work. And, you know, like when they were they were doing all of this stuff and advertising and kind of shining a light on like the lack of women in, you know, like in any of the art galleries and kind of blah, blah, blah. So I don't know, there's all, I think there's always something where, you know, you know, where people have been able to comment on or kind of say something. But for me now, it feels... I suppose it does feel kind of I mean I don't know if it's more important because I'm a parent but it definitely feels more urgent to me now than maybe it would have because I guess before I'm kind of thinking oh this is annoying this is a bit shit whereas now it feels kind of like I don't know every, like decisions now feel like if I don't do something you're like what's it going to be like for her yeah. and I think it's kind of flipped that stuff out and it's made me one probably freak out more and have you know like some of those you said like 3 a.m where you wake up and go oh my god the world's such a disaster um those kind of things but I don't know it has made it's put a slight it has put a different perspective on stuff because it does feel like things are bigger than maybe it felt like they were before and that's not to say I don't know it's it's kind of I don't well I don't know how to describe it but that it does feel like that it feels like for me now it feels very important to say the things that I want to say. So, and you can't say everything and you've got to focus on a few things because otherwise you would literally go insane. So it's kind of focusing on the stuff that feels super important to me or kind of things that, you know, like I'd love to see change or um, even if it doesn't even feel like you can do anything, you know, like, cause sometimes there's a bit of me that goes, you know, like, oh, I'm a designer, I made a poster, you know, like, so fucking what, you know, like, isn't that what we all do and then we go back and sit in our nice house <laughs> you know like or whatever it is but I don't know at least it's something it's kind of something and it's um I don't know just putting some words out there somewhere yeah. impact someone somewhere so I don't know it's it's like a little thing but it feels like it's something so it's kind of 
yeah it feels super important to me is what I'm saying <laughs> and sometimes it's kind of it doesn't have to be as well like it doesn't have to always be this kind of really big you know like something like the climate which obviously is like really weighing down on loads for us you know like that feels really oh my god but some things it can be kind of you know like I like to do light-hearted things as well you know like more more light-hearted stuff as well so even things like a print recently um for creative boom and it was um eyes will roll and like that totally means if, if i don't know whether you've noticed about me ben but i roll my eyes a lot it's been pointed out to me since i've been a kid you're like oh my god danny rolls her eyes to the back of her head you're like it's i just always do it <laughs> so that's obviously super relevant to me it's not like it's not a lot, you know, it's not going to change the world kind of thing. But it is, it's kind of a message that like, why drink and roll my eyes? Have you done something stupid? You know, like it's kind of, there's a bit of sort of defiance in there. So it's, it's kind of a balance of message in messages, you know, like sometimes it's like, oh my God, this is fucking not okay. And sometimes it's something like, don't be stupid, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Well, you have to you have to look at the themes and things, and this is how I've been coping recently. It's like I, you know, I've had I've had some touch water. You know, I've been I'm sensitive, and I am prone to these kind of uh, worry holes almost. But like, I'm, I've never suffered. You know, I've I've never suffered clinical depression. I haven't. I wouldn't ever say I've had any serious mental health problems. Thankfully, because I've got my creativity, and I'm very I'm blessed with a lot of friends and a support network that's strong, and I've always had my individuality kind of encouraged by people so on a number of levels there i'm able to let things out in a in a positive way but yeah. what you know but what it means is that i am i am a bit of an emotional sponge i am very <laughs> so, you know i think it's what makes us observant and well suited to this industry is that we do see the world a bit you know behind the, oh, like you see it in layers almost i think i think it's very common in our industry for people to yeah. have extreme tendencies in one way, way shape or form but what I've started to do is see beyond just the kind of, oh, it's a poster or it's a drawing. So what? <laughs> because that, that's how I feel when I'm down, you know, when when things are <laughs> overwhelming. But actually, yeah. when you're even just looking at your eyes will roll print, there's there's lots going on there. Like that the theme of that example of how you can in, integrate personal humor and, and the kind of tongue in cheek <laughs> stuff is good. Yeah. On one level, it might just make somebody smile. It might resonate some with somebody on a personal level because they also do that. But it might also teach somebody who's struggling to find their way in some way, shape, or form that their humor has validity too. And yeah, yeah. you know, and all of these things are really important to feeling good and, and and like finding some kind of solace. Which, if we are to you know progress as a species and like survive, we, we need all of those <laughs> skills. You know, so it's it's deeper than just the piece of work. I think. Yeah, I mean that is true, and it, it's interesting when you talk about. Um, you like you being in a like quite an emotional person and sensitive and stuff like that. I mean, maybe it is maybe it is in a lot of us that you know like with <laughs> sort of this kind of job, but yeah, because I mean, if you think about things like that, half the things like you know like somebody has said some words to me like ten years ago, and I'm like, oh my god, I remember this? <laughs> and they're like, oh my god, I don't even remember saying that conversation. Or like the other day, I walked into the coffee shop. And um, I had a T-shirt. I didn't realize I just got, you know, got dressed in the morning and put a T-shirt on. And it said, get lost. It had like, um, you know, like getting lost in the forest or something like that. And I walked into the coffee shop and the coffee shop guy was like, ha, get lost. And I went, what? <laughs> 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 That's right. And he's like, 
on your t-shirt I was like oh my god so you know like it is <laughs> yeah I'm like am I like super emotional or like am I really over emotional I don't know but sometimes you're right like this stuff's kind of feed <laughs> you're able to kind of feed it into you into what I don't mean that specific particular thing but it's just an example but you know what I mean you kind of yeah. a bit sensitive a bit the things that you thought were bad you know like that you go oh you're so oversensitive you're so oh you're a bit emotional and actually you know like they're pretty useful skills to be honest I mean yeah, you know yeah. sometimes they're a bit of a pain in the ass but you know like that's how you're able to remember things and make things and put it into things so yeah yeah it's kind of funny how you figure out that that stuff's actually all right <laughs> exactly that, <laughs> right yeah. those things yeah 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 and when you find ways to channel that yeah and again it's that's the thing it's like being a dad now there would have been Maybe I would have embraced nihilism had I not been a parent. Maybe I would have been like, oh, so, you know, so warm, I'm going to die someday, whatever kind of thing. Whereas now I'm like, ah, I've got kids. Like, you know, I don't want them to come into horrible things. So I'm going to fight. To... So it's, it's interesting because I was chatting to, to Laura about this. I'm obviously far more time poor now because of being a, a dad of twins. But yeah. the, the impetus and the drive that I get from them being here now, it kind of evens out because if I'd have been still just like, you know, sitting in my bedroom watching wrestling every night, I would have I would have probably wasted more time. So it kind of would have evened out for me, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with that, actually, because I only went freelance, for example, when my daughter was born and um, it was a it was to be practical. But actually, I would say I've done way more stuff since then than I would have done before it's given me way more motivations yeah I haven't got as much time but it's things like it's like even it, like things like in the pandemic I didn't have any time I was homeschooling I was doing all this other stuff but I had I don't know I just made time for this these little even if it was just like pockets of like half an hour it's amazing what you can get done in certain amounts of time when you know that that's the only time and otherwise in like I'm a what's the word procrastinator I can't even say it procrastinator, procrastinator like, yeah. I would just spend 10 years doing something it's even things like things like ages ago so um Laura Boast was sharing the studios in here and um I've been faffing about me I've got maybe my little tiny guys my little tiny guys that I made ages ago and I was going to Laura oh I keep thinking about these things I've been going to do these things and I've been just floating around I had loads of random sketchbooks that have been in my notebook you know for like I don't know five years or something ridiculous and then Laura went to me oh my god Danny she went okay I want to see three concepts by the end of next week or something like that and like Laura's you know like she's not the boss she doesn't have to tell you know like it's up but it was so helpful and she, you know with fun and I went okay and then did them <laughs> you know like you kind of need a deadline and if that's your own time you know, like, and it's like you've only got a certain amount of time. It's amazing what you can get done when you haven't got any time. It really is, yeah. Yeah, I think I think I've got more stuff in the least amount of time. Like, definitely. Yeah, and you you learn to be resourceful, don't you, when you've got kids to manage? Because it's like I, I was saying this to a friend recently, another new dad who was kind of felt feeling a little down because he hadn't found time around the parenting to kind of get to do anything for him. And I was yeah. saying that I'd sort of found this mechanism of creating like a tiered list of things let's say I've got five minutes on the toilet this is something I can do in the notes app on my phone <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> or maybe I've got three hours or maybe I've got a full day because Laura's taking them out to see a mum or whatever and I'm not going yeah. so it's like you know whatever my energy levels and whatever the time I have there's always something a little just a little something I can pick out or something I can create one you know yeah. one word of a story one, one line of a story or it's sometimes enough for me to then 
go off and be a good dad for a day and not feel that yeah. I haven't done something for me. So yeah. I'm still making something over. You know, it might take me a little longer, but like my first two books were written during early parenthood. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, that's like a massive deal. You know, like it is. It does take a while to figure it out how how to manage your time though it's not something you can do instantly is it because it's kind of everything's completely changed everything's really different and you're used to this one way of life and suddenly everything's completely different and you're battling all of these things so I do think it takes that bit of time to find your way around it but then kind of when you do um I don't know it feels pretty good I think once you figure that out and sometimes the balance is off you know like you know like things like lockdown was threw everything out again or like Things that, but actually, in a way, that's helped because when it comes to like this is the school holidays now, this is the summer holidays. That used to be a complete stressful nightmare. I used to really worry about it. Um, you know, like we would be arguing about how we we're going to manage it. You know, like it would be really stressful. And now, after doing all of that time, <laughs> you know, we're all in the house. Suddenly, now we're like, I'm like, do you know what? You know, like we can just figure it out. Like. I mean, Daisy's a bit older, but sometimes she'll come into the studio with me, you know, like, um, or, you know, like, I'll just get up earlier and then we'll do something else. You know, like, we've just got the balance differently. And I think it's probably happened for a lot of people. It's taken the pressures and kind of gone, I don't know, we don't want to do that same thing where you just change your desk all the day. You know, like, you can kind of work it. And like you described how to work in little pockets. Like, I do things like that. If I've got say you know like I want to make this I don't know there's some words that I've just heard you know like I've just heard something or I think oh that might make something nice I've got a little list and it's just on my phone where I write down like I've got like about 20 things at the moment that I want to make but I can just write them down and then like one day I'll just maybe I'll be sat watching telly and I'll just doodle one of them and I might not make that for ages but you know like I've got these these starting points of stuff so it is that kind of it's just working differently isn't it but it does take a while to figure out how to make that work as well but yeah it does it's, it's completely doable it's doable and i think you have to allow yourself to do it too because too often we tell ourselves a story that we work a certain way or we can't do that because yeah. of b and c where sometimes necessity teaches you otherwise it's like it's that whole That's thing it, of, yeah. it's like the very harsh deadlines early on freaks me out but they but i kind of responded and actually it made me realize that the most the more stripped back and kind of urgent my work the better it always seems to be, the more it breeds. So I ended up doing that by choice in the end. And it's given me this lovely thing where, you know, um, that those kind of hurdles, you know, because like, again, life's not linear, is it? There are, there are always challenges and twists and change on the horizon. So I think it's about trying to like understand your creativity and personality in a way that you can respond to change and not completely be derailed. Yeah, that completely makes sense. I think as well, when you talk about, you know, urgency and deadlines, sometimes, I find as well, like, if you're like me, like, you can overthink things or re-question things or go, oh, would it like, oh, actually, when you're doing something and it's more kind of gut decisions and kind of, you know, a bit more intuitive, that's usually kind of when you're doing better stuff. So when you haven't got that time to go, I mean, not with everything, but when you haven't got that time to kind of like, I don't know, give yourself a hundred reasons how it could, because basically everything could be a hundred different ways yeah. as we know. So it's like trying to just go, no, it's going to be this. I've decided on this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And now it's going to be finished. And sometimes it's like, sometimes this way, sometimes I will post something on, say it's even if it's like Instagram or something, even before I like it or I'm sure or something. Cause I think if I put it somewhere, then it's something started or it's like, 
it's that thing trying to get out of the perfectionism thing, isn't it? Where you go, oh, yeah. nobody should do this. It's never quite right. It's never quite finished. Mm-hmm. But, you know, things could never get, yeah, I don't know, things that would never finish you know, things. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. There is always that perfection trap. And I think um, I think that's a great piece of advice, actually, to, to put things out early because, you yeah. know, I just, I, the amount of things that I've either nearly not shared or exactly, yeah. have, uh, mentioned accidentally or whatever it might be that have paid off in the most unexpected way or opened a door is yeah. there's loads. I mean, like my, my dream, my dream project. I mean, there's always a new dream project, but <laughs> the, the closest I could come to that, if I was to think of myself as like a 16 year old fantasizing would be the WWE set designs that I did. <laughs> and that only came about because I'd helped a friend out who was like an independent film director and had no budget. And I yeah. kind of liked much like you wanted to be like Vivian Westwood, I had this like <laughs> I had this dream, this idea that I could be like this cool art director for films and on set and you know hands yeah. everywhere and all that. Yeah. And um, so I helped a friend out, no budget. I thought there's my chance to go and just be with some actors, find out what it's like yeah. on set, try my hand in a three D environment. And it was all right. I did these kind of like three, these um, three quid B&Q lining paper rolls. I bought a yeah. few of them and I did these kind of hand painted lettering backdrops it was quite a moody film called the lost generation and um and i very nearly didn't put it in my portfolio because i thought that the 3d photography of it jarred with the 2d stuff that i'd been doing to that point and and thank god i did because that was the one that david the wwe saw and went can you do 15 of those and send them to new york and we're going to do a big big shoot with all the villains called faces of evil and i was like oh my god like (laughs) you just have to put stuff out there like what is the worst that could happen? Like, what is the worst that could happen? Totally. Like, even if it's not your perfect thing, even if like there's something that isn't quite right, so what? Like, the worst, worst that could happen is some flipping, some probably dickhead will go, mm, that's not right. And then you just ignore them because, you know. It's all subjective, isn't it? You know, <laughs> exactly. It's all it's, that's it's, literally the worst that can happen. And that doesn't usually happen anyway, does it? Let's be honest. No, I guess, you know, because in what we do, it tends to be give tastes, a matter of tastes and opinions. So, you know, it tends to be, uh, I, I did loads of stuff that's not my bag, but it's, but I can, I, but I actually appreciate the art form and would still commission it for the right project. It's just that I wouldn't, you know, maybe I wouldn't have it on my kitchen wall, but it's, that's, yeah, exactly. that doesn't matter. Like my friend, my friend Tom, the one who's, who I mentioned is a primary teacher. He said that he, he says to his kids now, when, when they, they're doing any kind of art project, They'll say, "Oh, sir, sir, do you uh, do you like this?" And he'll go, "Do you like it?" And they'll go, "Oh, that's good." Yeah, and he'll go, <laughs> "Well, what does it matter what I think?" And um, oh, and I think, "Wow, what a great, what a great lesson! Like, what a great angle on there." Yeah, that is really and, nice. And that sums it up. It's like you kind of have to get that armor, don't you? That some people are not going to be into what you do. Um, yeah, and that's fine. That's a good lesson to learn, actually, because that's why half of us. That's probably why half of us don't share stuff because it's we're like oh what if someone doesn't like it and like oh my god not everyone's gonna like anything anyway you know like you don't need loads of people to like it like almost sometimes if it's for one job you need one person to like it the person that's going to pay you to do the work or you know like if I'm selling prints I just need a few people to like it the ones that are going to buy those prints and it's kind of yeah. like I don't know we may, we'll probably aim for this ridiculous unrealistic thing and it's kind of you just need that little bunch of people don't you you need that bunch of people that appreciate what you're doing you and do. they can get to it and that's all you need and everyone else like it doesn't really matter it's kind no. of like that do do their thing but it's easy saying that <laughs> it's easy, easy saying that you know but that's exactly. what we need logically yeah, I mean, I could have tried telling me that when I was uh, when I found my rogue one star review on one of my books on Goodreads. No, 
Oh, it's always it, I, I actually think it was accidental, but I dared not messenger. Uh, uh, yeah, because of the sheer embarrassment if it was intentional. So it's like oh, no. the reason being because they're they're all like four and five, which is wonderful, but <laughs> But there's this one one and the last is like all the other books are Arabic. So I'm thinking it's probably an error. Like how would she have come across your mom and read these like, I mean, maybe she did, but maybe she, maybe she just thought it was really offensive, which if she turned around and went, yeah, I hate it. I thought it was shit and offensive. I go, fine, that's your opinion. At least I know it's real. But I just, the idea of it being an accident, like an accidental click and it being there is killing me. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the thing, isn't it? Because that just sums up everything. You've just said you've got loads of four and five star reviews, but you're telling me about the one star review. Exactly. The one, one, and the thing is that's exactly what I would do as well that is yeah. literally what I would be like oh this one person so rude but we kind of disregard actually that's like this tiny percentage and instead we keep like you'd be going hey I all these four and five star reviews you're like most people think it's awesome and like yeah. but it's I don't know how we're wired to do that but it's like it's totally human isn't it but yeah um yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. so right. what I'm mean, like so what exactly. anyway I'm love- like you know it's kind of that stuff's pretty controversial isn't it like you know yeah mom it's like not exactly. everyone's gonna like it. that's well, exactly. what's good about it that's what's good about it and it wouldn't be as exciting and interesting and original if you were trying to do something that was for everybody so exactly yeah. can't be especially in writing so yeah it's fine it's like I'm, I'm at peace with it now so it's all right but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no I, that's exactly what I would do as well it's so funny yeah, yeah. Like, oh, oh somebody somebody commented on one of my podcasts it just said you talk too fast and um and i and i replied going no you, you're right my mum used to bollock me for it and I, i'm aware of it i'm getting better at it. i'm going to improve <laughs> how do you do that though you like we just become really hyper self-aware talking really. yeah i'm just like <laughs> i just get excited and speed talk so it's like, mm-hmm. i have to like consciously slow myself down and pronounce a few more t's <laughs> Oh well. <laughs> oh, it's great. I, I don't you mind. Listen, you don't listen fast enough. You just said that. <laughs> <laughs> Slow me down, yeah. You need to listen faster. Yeah. Oh God. Well, um, we've covered most things. I just want to touch on your domestica course because that seemed pretty exciting. Oh yay! <laughs> oh my God, that was so much fun. So yeah, so that um, when did it? That was out at the beginning in April, and I basically filmed it about a year ago, or I started working it about a year ago. Um, it takes quite a long time because you've got to write all of the course stuff and then you go and film it. This is basically when they got in touch, I was like, oh, this sounds good. And then they went, um, oh, and if you want to do it, you get to come to London for, um, I don't know, about a week and we put you up in a hotel. And I was going, yes, (laughs) (laughs) sign me up, (laughs) sign me up. That sounds amazing. So yeah, the whole experience was really good and they, they were dead, dead nice as well. I think it was mass, again, it was a massive learning curve on a few different levels because one, I've never written a course and it is within their framework. So it's, you know, really supported. So at first you go, oh my God, I can't do this. I can't write a course. And then you work with a producer person and you're like, oh yeah, I can. Because <laughs> they're really, you know, like they're breaking it down and really helping you. And then the second thing, they're, they're saying to you things like, okay, so we just need to go through your process. And this is what I find most interesting because I'm like, haven't got a process. And she's like, everyone's got a process. She said, make a project and let's work backwards. So for me, that was really interesting work anyway, as it like just for me, because I was like, oh yeah, do you have a process? Turns out I do have a process because you do things so automatically now, you forget that, you know, like, 
but you do have a living process so that was interesting in itself and then the other thing was things like actually going to, to do the filming so I was absolutely flipping shit to myself for this bit because I've not done anything like that before you know like that's not my natural habitat you like I was really really worried and again they, they before I go they go you know it's we we take sort of um the way they do it is it, they just have the camera rolling the whole time so it's not like you know you're doing loads of sets it's just like if you make a mistake you just do it again and you do it again and they edit it so it takes you a while to get into it but when I got again when I got there I'm thinking there's going to be loads of prep but it's not they just sort of sit you down straight away you're just there you're like they're like okay get behind this desk and then you start filming so part of me is like oh my oh my god this is happening like right now but you don't have any time to get super stressed because you just get started mm-hmm. um the dead nice the team are really lovely and I don't know it was just really well organized and yeah a really good experience so yeah oh, that's <laughs> it was awesome really and, and just give us a little snapshot of what the course is oh yeah so it's aimed it's aimed at beginners and it's kind of so it's nice nice and simple and it's called I can't remember what it's called now it's called something like play powerful communication through playful typography in illustrator something really snappy like that yeah. um and the idea is for you to make um, a poster or something like that of a message that's important to you again so it's talking about how to come up with words and then showing you some basic ways to make that into a typographic poster and it's really simple so it's kind of again either using type that exists or showing you how you can start to you know, like make make the type yourself and it's again in in the most simple way and using and using illustrator and then at the end you end it with a poster and then i might show you you know, like how you can um, share it on socials or you know, like go and get it printed or you know, like mock it up into something else so it's this um yeah it's this it's quite it's quite kind of like back to basics and, and coming up with stuff but it's been interesting now because people got a bunch of students on the course and they'll upload their projects or you know, like they'll comment and things like influences that they're interested in so it's quite nice seeing what other people one things that are you like that bother them or that they're interested in and it's again it's not even like it's not always really you know deep deep messages it could be like there's one poster that's one of the students has made and it's about I can't remember the words they've used but it was inspired by Disney and it was this something about you like wishes and dreams and um it was really upbeat and lovely and um clearly something that was super important to them so I don't know it was nice that you know people are able to pick out their own kind of thing and then make it into something um so yeah it's been like it's been a really good experience doing that like uh yeah and I'm dead proud that it's like exists now it's like a thing that exists well you you should be and I think it's a great illustration of um what we talked about as in you were you know you had some negative emotions going on during lockdown because of the challenging circumstances like we all had in our own way (laughs) And then you created more work accordingly through those emotions. And then look at that, you know, you got costs. I mean, did it come, did it come from the pieces that you created then or was it? A- yeah, I think it did actually. I think, I think it probably did. Um, yeah, I can't really remember how it came about. This, it, it was just, a, it was an email from one of the, um, the guys from Domestica. I can't remember what they'd seen, but it was, it was, it was certain things like that. It, it was kind of, can't remember which ones but yeah it, it, it were those kind of those kind of messages and yeah exactly and um, it just goes to show yeah, so not only, not yeah. only have you got yourself a cool project and course out of it it's like look at you know even like you just said there just in the comments you've got people now 
finding a way to express themselves and get an air them their thing you've certainly inspired me in like the past few months you were a major catalyst oh, in me coming out of a personal slump like yeah, yeah, a combination of you micah those kind of uh, empowering oh. but clever ways of expression you know it's and yeah. there's a few other people but but you're certainly among that small group of people whose work was prominent on my feeds and reminding me that god God, yeah, there is great worth in this, and and the personal. Uh, it's like the mic. Somebody, a friend, said to me recently, and he, he mentioned it about the writing, but it's the same message. He said it was the uh, finding the macro in the micro. You know, yeah, it, that's nice. Yeah, and it's, it is yeah. that. It's that these personal things of ours do have great resonance. Like there's a yeah. there's an artist friend of mine called Dewinda Bansal, and Dewinda was she's a Indian Kenyan heritage. Oh yes, I follow her. Yeah. Yeah, and she was one of the first, um, she was the first generation of children from Southeast Asian background to come to like Wolverhampton in the Midlands in the in the yeah. 60s, uh, no, 80s, sorry, 80s, sorry, you're not that old. Um, and, um, and, and her work is amazing because all the projects are very much from her upbringing and that kind of youth and that culture. Yeah. And, and yet she creates these amazing like walk-in full rooms. So she recreated the video start shop that her dad managed called uh, called Dewinda Electricals. And it was yeah. like an electrical store, but also like VHS library. And, and they used to do like piracy from there. And Dewinda's part-time job as a kid was to certify the videos, basically <laughs> at what age they were by their cover image. And um and just but she recreated that whole video library and invited people to come and walk in and like the tapes the trailers were playing on the wall and all these things but by doing that she's very cleverly inviting people into this south asian culture and she's done it in places like blackburn as part of the festival of making but what it does is it brings people there who may have some kind of preconception of what like an asian family might be to walk in and go hang on this isn't that much different from my nan's but uh you know like the living room yeah. and i just think it's so smart her work and the way she uses that very personal aspect of her life to tell a much bigger story you know and i just think there's great lessons in that yeah that sounds amazing that yeah so so yeah so for that reason i'm i'm, I'm all right i'm you know i'm feeling like right you know my cause I'm, <laughs> you know, and i don't and i no longer need to you know feel the need to be just like putting up these big aggressive sweary messages it's like no 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 actually no you can say you can a lot do that as well ben you can do that as well <laughs> you can, actually no you, you are right and i should say that there is a there always yeah. there is always a place for that but i think that it can be whatever you make it and it should always be in accordance to you and your feelings and personality oh yeah absolutely absolutely and of course the brief or the cause you know yeah 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 definitely yeah well yeah i mean keep on doing what you're doing because it certainly is inspiring and i think just within that within me and those students in the course it's a sphere of influence and then those people will go on and teach someone else <laughs> so it's like you know <laughs> so i think yeah so thank you for that on a personal level but also you know just keep doing it because it's inspiring to see and there's going to be a new generation yeah. of kids coming up who might not have access to the courses that we had so as in like foundations and stuff because budgets are getting yeah. cut so you yeah. know I know it is true. Well, Daisy keeps giving me suggestions for posters, actually. So there we go. She'll be doing some soon. Okay. <laughs> Usually YouTube-based, so I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, and then lastly, where can people access the course and your your work? So sorry, I didn't hear you then. Where can people access your work in the course? Oh, I see. Right. So if you go to my website, which is dotto.studio. Um, and basically there's links to everything on there and if you do want to do the course it would be awesome if you can follow my link from the website because I get more commission Woo! <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah and uh, on all the usual socials at dotto underscore studio as well and um, so yeah 
basically nice. dotto around. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank dotto you so around. much. It's been, a, it's been a brilliant chat. So thank you for that. Thanks for having me, Ben. Thank you so much to Danny from Studio Dotto for that chat. I hope it inspired you in even a percentage of the way that she inspired me with her recent meaningful work personal passion work and i hope it's going to give you some ideas moving forward as to just how important your own story and your own take on the world is because that's really what it comes down to that's the compass that's how we make sense of this crazy industry and all the million ways it could go in if we just you know look outside of ourselves and only look at previous examples it's good to take inspiration much like i've talked about on this show today but ultimately it's got to come from inside and it's really good to tap into those little idiosyncrasies and nerdy traits and weirdness and however you want to bracket it's all valuable stuff so look inside move forward thank you kindly to the founding sponsor illustration x over at illustrationx.com and we are illustration x on social media hit me up with your feedback and your thoughts at ben talon and at ben talon pod and there's some great shows coming up i'm not going to list them all now there's some in recording. There's a big list in front of me as we speak with some awesome guests who've agreed to the show covering so many angles. Enjoy your week. Thank you once again for listening. Take care.